Last week, some of you may remember what I preached on how after two sociologists interviewed many American teenagers back in 2005, they collected a, a shared group of beliefs um, that they coined as moralistic therapeutic deism. And they came up with five main tenets everyone shared. And I'll repeat them here. One of them was that God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Another one is the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Third one, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life, except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And a fourth one, good people go to heaven when they die. And in parentheses, all people are good. And if you remember, the problem with these was that if you took these tenets that, um, that are so prevalent in our Western culture, American society, and you look at the Gospels, the problem you see is that Jesus never taught any of these. That none of these you see Jesus preaching on. Which means that these tenets that are so prevalent in our culture aren't true. They don't reveal, uh, they aren't true about God. It's not what God has revealed about himself and about our way to heaven. And the point of that was that it's very easy for us to make God in our image and likeness. And even to be, uh, not be aware of who God is and who he's revealed himself to be. Well, adding to that, the gospel reminds us and adds like another uh, element, again, that can be a risk, a danger. And if we look at the gospel, we see that our thinking, our human ways of thinking, can be out of alignment with God's. And it could be in such a way that we can be against God's plans. What do I mean? Well, let's just take a look at the gospel. We see that in the gospel, right after Peter is praised by Jesus, right, for declaring Jesus as the son of the living God, right, as the Messiah, now Jesus shares with Peter and his disciples his first prediction of his passion. He tells them, shares with them, that he's going to die at the hands of the scribes, Pharisees, religious leaders, that he's going to, and after he dies, he'll rise up on the third day. And Peter, his response was, God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. And then we hear that the Gospels relate, that Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And so we hear the reason for uh, Jesus's rebuke of Peter, because he was thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And so we see how not only is there the danger of us being able to project our beliefs onto God and create him in our image and likeness, versus allowing himself to reveal himself to us as he is, but now we see that our human way of thinking Apart from the mind of Christ, apart from his will, not only puts us out of alignment with his plan, but even against it. We can be a mouthpiece, a gateway for the evil one and his plan. Now, last time I checked, right, I think we we're all human beings, right? 
And so all of us, right, have this a danger of, oops, I can get it wrong here. And so what are we to do in this predicament because we can't stop being human? It's this. We hear this invitation from St. Paul in our second letter. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. God invites all of us to renew our minds, which means to take on the mind of Christ, to view our world and our life by a, with a heavenly perspective. Now, by this renewal of our minds, what will happen is that we're able to better discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is actually pleasing, what is actually perfect. And what's more is that when we allow this to happen, we begin to experience a transformation such that our lives and the way we live radically change. And we can begin to live a supernatural life. So what does that look like? What do I mean? Well, take, for example, uh, the topic of, of death, right? Because this is something none of us can avoid. Now, when it comes to death, for some of us, we don't want to talk about it. Death is a, a taboo subject. And very often when we refuse to acknowledge something or deny a reality, that denial is often a masked form of despair. Because for some of us, death is, is hopeless. Death seems to have no answer. And so we just choose to turn away from it and not acknowledge it. But when we look at the renewal of the mind, and that means adopting a heavenly perspective, you can ask yourself, how does God view death? Does he view it as something more powerful than he? No. Has God done something about it? Absolutely. In fact, from God's perspective, he has conquered death already through what he's done in his son, Jesus. And so then, if we adopt this perspective, how would that change our approach to death? How would that change our perspective? Going further, uh, maybe we look at our sickness and physical illness, right? Or maybe even uh, the pains that are invisible, right? The pains in our hearts. We can even ask God for his perspective. Say, God, does God view uh, himself as powerless against our physical ailments? Or are our pains, our traumas of the past, are they greater than God? Does God view them as greater than himself? To both, the answer is no. God reveals in the book of Exodus, I am your healer, says the Lord. In fact, we see the eternal healing that he's given us, right, that he offers to us, the healing of our sins on the cross. And also in the life of Jesus, we see the countless miracles, signs, and wonders. And how he gives his apostles to all of us, the church, the Holy Spirit, the same God who has the authority over right, physical ailments. And so if this is how God views 
our illness and our pain, if we adopt his perspective, how would that change our approach to those difficulties in life? I think we'd be more likely to, instead of hiding those traumas and wounds, to actually share it with the Lord Jesus, to ask him, how are you loving me in this? Where were you when this happened? Or maybe the physical illness. God, I believe, right, that you've given us eternal healing. You have power over sin and death, but also power of all creation. God, I give you my illness as well. It'll change the way we view all, all of that. And so that's the invitation for all of us. Imagine, right, as Christians, if we were able to place ourselves uh, in this heavenly perspective. In fact, that's the reason why here at the parish, we're offering a time of prayer for physical healing after the 11.30 a.m. Mass. Why we have a team uh, of parishioners who are an inner healing team. Because we believe and know what God can do with our pain and what he wants to do with it that he wants to bring healing. And so those are a couple examples of how allowing this renewal of the mind can transform us. And so what do we do if we wanna begin this renewal of the mind? Well, I'll offer briefly just two simple ways. The first is we do all we can to know the mind of Christ. And how can we know the mind of Christ? Well, it's actually real simple because Jesus has already revealed his mind, his will, his thoughts, his ways. He revealed the full plan of the Father. And like I said last week, we see that God reveals himself to us through the church and our church teaching and through the word of God. When we adopt the biblical perspective of our life, remember our story uh, from scripture and we see what God teaches, what he says about different aspects of humanity and society, again, through the church teaching, we're beginning to adopt the mindset of Christ, understand how he views the world. That leads to the second way in which we begin this process. Because just gaining knowledge alone is not going to be enough for this renewal of the mind. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one in which takes all that we've learned about Christ, all that he's revealed about himself, and then applies it to our lives in a powerful way, in a way that convicts us to the heart. Maybe it's a knowledge of God's love. Maybe a lot of us know how God has revealed his love to us, how the cross is a sign of it. But the Holy Spirit will take that reality and apply it to your heart in such a way that now you are convinced that he loves you because he's communicated to you, because you feel it. You know it in the depths of your heart. Same with everything else that Christ teaches. The Holy Spirit is key. Also, we begin to realize that as we connect with the Holy Spirit, allow him to renew our perspective, get a heavenly perspective, that the word of God becomes more alive to us. What the church teaches, everything, what the saints say, there's a greater vibrancy. Christianity has a greater vibrancy because it's the Holy Spirit that gives us life. And so in those two ways, we gain the mind of Christ 
and allow the beginning of that process of the renewal of the mind. Because Jesus came into the world not so that we could live the same, not so that we can continue to believe that we are powerless against death, against illness, against everything that the world brings against us. Rather, he's come so that we may live differently. He's come that we can be transformed, be able to offer to the world the healing and the power that comes through Christ's message and gospel. All he asks of us is that permission, the openness to allow him to renew our minds and transform us in how we live.